called and explained what I needed. And it was like I was applying for a loan or something. Welcome to the Only Child Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Wallace. Have you ever felt like you didn't receive the how-to brochure on life? That you didn't get enough guidance about major life issues? So did I. You don't have to be an only child to feel this way. In my podcast, we'll explore some of the best ways to better navigate adulting while doing so with humor and light. Welcome everyone to the Only Child Diaries podcast. First of all, I want to wish everyone a happy Halloween today. If you're listening to the show today, that is, and if you're listening to it any other day, and I hope you had a good Halloween. I love Halloween, the decorating, the costumes, the trick-or-treaters, and all the fun. And if you don't like Halloween, or you don't celebrate where you are, then happy fall. That should cover everyone. <laughs> also, if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's episode, I encourage you to go back and give it a shot. It's my interview with author Carrie Pohar, who writes paranormal fiction. And we had a great time catching up. She has a lot of ghost stories um, within her family. And we also talk about her book, Chateau Merlot, which is a vampire story. So I hope you'll catch that. Today, I want to talk to you all about taking care of yourself and specifically dealing with your medical providers, your doctors. I was chatting with one of our neighbors the other day and updating her on my most recent doctor visit. And we got into a discussion that I think has a lot of value to share. This especially affects women, but in general, my discussion relates to both men and women. Now, if you're a regular listener, you know that I had knee surgery back in March. Both knees done at the same time, and I had partial knee replacements, not full ones. For all intents and purposes, the knee surgery was successful, but I ended up having a new issue because of the surgery. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that being as delicate as I can, but I think it's important to the story as a whole to be honest with you. I don't mind being honest with you. I'm, I'm pretty much an open book. <laughs> hey, I have a podcast where I'm talking about myself. <laughs> I'm not going to be too graphic, I promise. But I just want to warn you that I'm I'm going to be talking about overactive bladder or OAB. I'm going to talk about it in the framework of working through an issue and being something of a detective on your own behalf. After my knee surgery, I had recurring UTIs or urinary tract infections, and that turned into what they affectionately call OAB or overactive bladder. I had heard the name before, but I didn't know exactly what it was. I mean, okay, an overactive bladder. It's pretty straightforward as a concept, but I didn't know what 
all that meant specifically from a medical perspective. And hey, I've seen those commercials where they had that little cartoon bladder looking at the woman, holding her hand, going around with her when they talked about the medication. (laughs) I guess that's me, right? Now, on the spectrum, I've always been what you might call a frequent peer, (laughs) say, compared to someone like my mother-in-law. Ellie was definitely at the far end of the spectrum. On the other end, I was amazed to be around her. She had a lot of superhuman qualities for sure, but I would marvel at her. She was like Wonder Woman, a camel and a workhorse all at the same time. Her energy was always through the roof. And this was still when she was in her 80s. I would watch her not go to the bathroom all day long. She was kind of like my idol in that respect. But even if we were walking around sightseeing with her all day, she never seemed to need to hydrate either. How does that happen? I've had friends somewhere in between. Me? I know where every public bathroom is within a 300-mile radius of my house. Let me just say here that I have a lot of experience with doctors, maybe more than most people, because my husband is a type 1 diabetic. We've encountered a lot of doctors. Sure, the usual endocrinologist and an eye doctor who specializes in diabetics, but then there's the podiatrists, the wound care doctors, the cardiologist, the nephrologist, the internal medicine doctors, neurologists, a spinal surgeon, the vascular guys, then the glaucoma specialist, and the urologist. Now, I found some really good doctors for my husband, really smart people. We've also been really lucky. One good doctor begets another good doctor sometimes. They seem to cluster around each other. They seem to be friends with each other. That makes a lot of sense. In the world in general, you hang out with people who are your mental equals, right? So conversely, bad doctors, or let's just cut to the chase, stupid doctors hang out together as well. We didn't always find the right doctor for a certain procedure or need on the first try though. And through this process, we established a certain criteria when we first met a new doctor to kind of weed out the bad ones. Did they talk to both of us? If the doctor only centered his or her attention on my husband, they were leaving me out, a very important part of the team. Did they talk down to either of us? That was an instant strike against them. Did they let either of us ask our questions without interrupting us? Did we connect on a personal level? Did they have a good or great bedside manner? With most of my husband's doctors, we got really lucky. When it has come to my doctors, I haven't been so lucky. Okay, I love my knee surgeon. He was actually my dad's knee surgeon too. He's not so old, actually, but he did do my dad's knee replacements years ago. And yes, 
my dad had full knee replacements and did both at the same time. I guess it's a thing I inherited. We're maybe a family failing. <laughs> yeah, people have called me hardcore or just crazy for doing them both at the same time. I like my dermatologist and I've been fairly happy with my gynecologists. Well, there was one back there that was maybe a little creepy, but I got rid of him. Now, I had the same family practice doctor for about 25 years. I felt like, at least in the beginning, this guy understood me. We were about the same age, and he listened pretty well. He listened. That is a lot in a doctor. They have knowledge and education, right? But if they listen, they can be your partner. So I generally felt like we were a team. Then I guess something changed. In the last couple of years, things started to kind of go south. I think he started to try to augment his practice or at least add on different services. Maybe to make extra money? I know being a doctor isn't always the greatest these days with the insurance companies and the hoops they make doctors jump through. He started pushing bioidentical hormones. Okay, now I was starting to get older and the way the posters in the office described it, they sounded like the answer to all your problems. Feel younger, have better skin tone, better sex drive, better everything, and lose weight. When people want to really sell you on something, they tell you that you'll lose weight. The posters might have well read, sell your soul to the devil, because seriously, Nothing can really make you young again, can it? Not really. I did some reading about them on my own because I never take anything, really, unless I know about it or I read about it first. And seriously, the increased risk of cancer was real, or at least it was mentioned prominently. So, the next time I went into the office and he started pitching me on bioidentical hormones again, I brought up the cancer thing. I said, look, I lost my dad, my mother-in-law, and my best friend to cancer, and I'm not interested in taking anything that could increase my risk of cancer. To me, that seemed like a pretty reasonable, clear-cut reason to not take the stuff and a sort of boundary line to not talking about it anymore. Well, he just kind of looked at me like I was crazy. Like, why wouldn't I want to drink from the fountain of youth? I felt as if I was kind of at the door to a cult. I felt like we were talking a different language. The conversation didn't end there. The next time I went in, he started pitching the bioidentical hormones again. <laughs> really, dude? At the same time, he started to look more fit than usual. I'm not saying anything here for sure, but when I look back on it, I wonder if he was using anything mm, different. Sure, he said he was working out, but he had developed a lot more muscle. Was he using steroids? Was his wish to push the feel-young-again hormones because he didn't want to age either? But 
the icing on the cake, so to speak, was one day we were talking about something and he made a really inappropriate comment. Now, remember, he had known me a long time and sure, maybe he forgot I was married. He had a lot of patience. We had talked about Bill several times. We had talked about us getting married. In fact, he was trying to get me to bring Bill in as a patient, even though when I asked him a few questions, it was obvious he didn't even know how insulin pumps worked. And that seemed like a red flag. (laughs) Anyway, we were talking about something and he said to me, well, whoever you're having sex with, whoever, he made it sound like I had multiple partners outside my marriage. I really should have said something to him at that point, but I was so shocked. I really didn't even know what to say. I'll add that there were also several other (laughs) semi-passive-aggressive, semi-many passive-aggressive comments over multiple visits that just got to be kind of weird and uncomfortable. It was about that time I decided to seek care elsewhere. But the hospital system he's with is close to our house and is connected to my knee surgeon, my gynecologist, and my urologist. Now, when I started having really intense pain, and this was a couple years before, my doctor, who thinks I'm in an open relationship, had multiple phone calls with me because it was during COVID and said he thought it was kidney stones. He was correct on that point. But he also said he thought I could pass them just by taking Norco. Are you some kind of sadist? (laughs) If you've had kidney stones or know someone who has had them, you already know this might not be the case. So I found a urologist who ended up taking care of them for me. For the most part, his treatment and the surgery worked out well. Okay, back to my post-knee surgery, my current issue. Since this was now a urological issue, I called to get an appointment with the urologist. There was a long wait to get an appointment, but I figured once I saw him, there would be answers to my questions and relief for my issue. But at the same time, I had found a new internist across town. When I finally saw my urologist, he asked why I wasn't seeing my longtime family practice doctor. Now, because I'm mostly an open book, I told him. I told him about the repetitive hormone discussions, the cancer risk, and the multiple sex partner comment. And he wasn't phased at all. He simply said, why would I want to drive across town to see someone else when this doctor was right here? Well, for one, because he crossed the line. And about this urologist, he didn't order any tests for me. He told me that my issue could be controlled with medication. He threw drug samples in my lap literally, and said if I lost weight, it would probably help. I was left with wondering what really was my issue. Bill was livid. 
I should tell you here that Bill's bullshit meter is usually pretty accurate. Sometimes I have trouble believing him because I want to think the best about people, but he's almost always right. The weight comment was the final straw. If you haven't experienced it yourself, I have several times. It seems like male doctors trying to pass off your medical issue because you have a few extra pounds or, or maybe more than a few extra gives them the right in their own minds to stop trying to resolve your problem. For me, first of all, I've been heavier than I am now and I didn't have this problem then. I'm not saying that weight doesn't have a bearing on my problem, but how does he know without doing any tests? It just seems like it's too easy for a male doctor to fixate on a female patient's weight as the core issue to their problem. I've heard it before. And let me tell you, it doesn't endear me to your process and it doesn't seem like good diagnostic diligence. There's a way to bring up weight issues without saying, and losing weight would be a good idea. Am I overly sensitive? Maybe. But I'd like to be a fly on the wall and see if the male patients who often have those big ass bellies get the same speech. And the medication samples? There were two weeks worth of each. Well, I didn't just start blindly taking them. I looked them up and both had some pretty significant side effects. One could raise my blood pressure. The other one could make me want to urinate more often. <laughs> what? I mean, there are other side effects, but both of these lists didn't seem very promising. Plus, in reading reviews from people who have taken the drugs, it seems that you have to take them for a couple of months to really see a difference. So how would taking them for two weeks, which was what the sample was for, really help me decide? As if the universe was listening to me, about this time, I received a magazine in the mail from our local university healthcare facility that highlights some of the medical services and care they provide. There was an article about urinary frequency, and I felt like it had been written just for me. I gathered my courage and called the 800 number. One of my friends, who is a nurse, told me I needed to find a urogynecologist. This is a newer specialty and a doctor who works to tend to the unique urological needs of a woman. Who knew? How many urologists just have a waiting room full of men? Hey, we're different. Well, my immediate hopes were dashed because I spoke to someone and they took a message for me and I was told the provider's office would contact me. I waited and waited and just about gave up. I'm embarrassed to say I waited a month. I started to feel a little better, but I knew I would have to start rattling their chains again. So I called and explained what I needed and <sighs> It was like I was applying for a loan or something. I had to actually make a case for seeing the doctor. Not just say I had a problem, but explain in great detail how it started, when it started, who I had already seen, 
what I had taken for it, etc. Then I was told my info would be shared and they would get back to me. Really? You can't just make an appointment? Well, it took a couple of days, but I did eventually hear back and had to go through three people, but ended up getting an appointment. Of course, because the doctor was so busy, the first opening she had was three months away. Well, I finally saw her last month, and all I can say is that it was worth the wait. The doctor is all that and more. It was a relief to talk to someone who was smart, and dare I say it, respectful of me. She did a test in the office, and then she ordered three more tests for me. Can you imagine? Diagnostics! She saw that there's a reason why this started after my surgery, like I did, and she seems determined to get to the bottom of it. Now, last test isn't scheduled until the first week of December, but I'm on my way to finding out some answers. I felt so good leaving her office. Finally, I felt like I was a person and I had been heard. Oh, and she didn't mention my weight. I remember talking to my parents in their later years, and they would say that they trusted their doctors. Comments like that make me nervous. If they're good doctors, I guess trust is a thing. My husband has a couple of doctors that, yes, I would fully trust. But for my dad, I could see at least a few holes in his care provider's logic. At least two of them. I didn't trust them. And we're talking about not only your health, but your life. How much trust do you have in people who you don't really know? That they will do what's best for you. Just because someone has maybe more education than you doesn't mean they won't make a mistake sometimes or maybe overlook something that could be very important. With my husband, I've learned to be a bulldog in that respect. Fight for the best and fight for answers. And I do that for myself as much as I can. It takes a lot of energy and sometimes it takes a lot of guts too. The last thing I'll say about doctors, and especially women patients, are male doctors that take advantage of female patients. I have at least one friend that experienced this, unfortunately. And recently at USC, there was a gynecologist who abused his privileges over many patients. George Tyndall was accused of inappropriately touching 19 female patients during his time as a doctor and was criminally charged with 29 counts of sex crimes in 2019, to which he pleaded not guilty. He ended up dying before he could go to trial. How does something like this happen? It's just wrong on so many levels, but it goes to show that if something is wrong with our care, we need to speak up against it. If a doctor will do this to one patient, he'll do it to another, I'm pretty sure. It is somewhat horrifying that that many women were victims of their doctors. I'm not sure exactly how many of them reported it right away, but even so, 
I understand why they didn't, if they didn't. It's hard to speak up against respected members of our community, like doctors. As women, and more importantly, as patients, we have rights. Not all inappropriate actions are physical actions. Some are words. There are lines that doctors should not cross. That becomes clearer and clearer to me the longer I live and the more I experience. But also, the more we learn about our rights. If you feel uncomfortable about something between you and your doctor, don't remain silent. Don't wait. Whether it's a matter of simple respect or it blurs the line or crosses the line, you have rights. You will not only be protecting yourself, but you might be helping to protect someone else. We all have to stick together. And this goes for your experiences outside the medical profession as well. Well, that's a hefty topic. I know. And I went a little bit off my usual soapbox, but it's a very valid discussion. Let me know what you think. I'd like to hear your thoughts. For now, I have to go shine up the skeletons in the front yard and get ready for the trick-or-treaters tonight. Next week, we'll tackle another topic together. I hope you'll join me. If you like this episode, please follow the Only Child Diaries podcast on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you might listen on. And consider rating Only Child Diaries and writing a review. It helps others to find us. Please share it with a friend you think might like it as well. Visit my Instagram page, Only Child Diaries, or Facebook, Only Child Diaries Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Tracy Wallace, and these are the Only Child Diaries. <laughs> <laughs>